And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get the athletic for a discounted rate. Uh, no Alex Spears with me today, but I do have two awesome guests joining me. Uh, first guest is Harrison Wind of DNVR. We'll also have Michael Pina of The Ringer joining us shortly. But right now, I've got Harrison Wind who covers the Denver Nuggets. Harrison, how's it going, man? It's going great. Things couldn't actually be going better. I mean, if you're covering the Nuggets right now. Five yeah. games in the first round, up to zero right now. So we'll see how game three goes. But th- things are going great. Yeah, that kind of leads me to my first question. That It feels like the Nuggets have countless advantages through two games against the Suns. Do you at all feel nervous about how good you're feeling about the Nuggets heading into game three? A little bit, just because that's the nature of covering the Nuggets. Something mm-hmm. weird always feels like it's around the corner. But that's the thing. It hasn't with this team. Just because the playoffs have just gone as a lot of us have expected it to. That that That's weird for us covering the Nuggets. But um, mm-hmm. it, it's hard not to feel really good about the Nuggets right now. Yeah. It's hard not to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you at all. You could argue that they look like the best team so far through the playoffs, which is not something I don't think many people had predicted, especially nationally. Maybe maybe locally in Denver people did, but nationally that doesn't yeah. seem like something that has happened. Even even up to like a week ago, I don't think people right. really had that thought. Um, right. Well, the Suns have single covered Jokic so far. What are your thoughts on that strategy, and do you think they can continue to do that moving forward? See, I think it's actually the right strategy from them because Mm -hmm. my take on the Nuggets offense is that it's at its best when Nicole Jokic is scoring 25 to 35 and also getting everybody involved. And if he's scoring it, Every time one-on-one against DeAndre Ayton, yeah, he, he can do that and he'll get 40. But my, my just take, my, my read on, you know, just watching the Nuggets all season is when that happens, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, KCP, those guys naturally aren't in as good of a rhythm as they would be if he was, you know, passing it more. So I, I don't think it's a winning strategy from the Suns, but it's the right strategy. I think. I think it's yeah. it's a strategy they should be deploying. Yeah, you could kind of see it in game two that they just weren't really firing all, on all cylinders, but 
at, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. Um, this is something that I thought was interesting. You wrote on DNVR uh, about the Nuggets bench, and this caught my yeah. eye. The, the Nuggets have outscored their opponents by 34 points in 82 minutes. It's plus 4.9 per game. Uh, that Jokic has been on the bench in the playoffs, which is like a complete 180 from where it was during the regular season. What do you make of this, and do you expect it to continue? The craziest part is they're doing it with a lineup that played zero minutes together during the season. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> like so the, prim- weird. the primary bench lineup that now has Aaron Gordon at the five played zero minutes together all season. And in Denver, we spent a lot of the year talking about the void at backup center. And the solution turned out just to be to play Aaron Gordon more and play him at, mm-hmm. at that backup center. Um, it's a weird phenomenon because the Nuggets went from a team with arguably like what felt like the worst bench to now a really good and effective bench, but they're playing like two really good defenders off the bench, Bruce Brown and Christian Brown. Then Jeff Green, a guy who I've never been the biggest Jeff Green supporter, but he's up to his engagement level. I feel sure. like in the playoffs, he's he's taking charges. He's taken three charges already these playoffs. He took seven all season. So he's <laughs> he's upping his just level of, of energy and engagement. And so it's worked. And on that second unit with Aaron Gordon at the five, they can switch everything, which I think has been the biggest reason why they've been good defensively. In this series, Bruce Brown has held his own against DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. So it's working. Yeah, what have you seen from Christian Brown in his his rookie season? Yeah, I've been the biggest Christian Brown supporter in Denver. I've been like clamoring for him to play more and more ever since sec- the second game of the season. And um, he, I think, is the best individual defender of the Jokic era. And like that may sound crazy because wow. he's a rookie mm-hmm. and this has been a pretty long era, but it's him or... Contavious Caldwell Pope or Gary Harris or Paul Millsap, probably. Like, if you're looking Mm -hmm. at individual defenders, Christian Brown is special. Like, he does really special things on the defensive end, on the ball and off the ball, just coming out of nowhere for steals and deflections. So, um, he's been an integral part, absolutely, to the bench looking as good defensively as they have. And, um, it's crazy that this is the worst he's going to be like yeah. for forever as a nugget. Like that, that's a crazy thought for us. What's the, what's the ceiling thought for, for Christian? I mean, I originally thought all season that he could be a Dylan Brooks type without all the antics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, with, without all the other stuff. Um, because his offensive game has, also been developing all year um like he's he's been a really good defender all season but offensively he went from a guy who really only took like transition layups and um like or took offensive rebound putback attempts but now he's kind of he's kind of uh exploring his offensive game a little more so i i think he could be like a dylan brooks level guy mm-hmm. yeah no that makes sense i think i think that's a uh, very realistic a lot of times whenever you talk about rookies, it's easy to go yeah. sky high, but like it feels like that's a very realistic, especially especially this version of Dylan Brooks. I feel like he he may have already uh, surpassed him in yeah. some maybe, ways. Maybe Dylan Brooks from uh, <laughs> November, just like yeah, yeah. that. 
that version. There you go. Uh, Joel Embiid was named MVP this week. Uh, how did all of the MVP discussion and then ultimately like the announcement ring in Denver? Um, the day before the announcement, Nikola Jokic was asked what he's going to be doing during it. And he said, mm-hmm. hopefully I'm going to be swimming. And so I feel like that is the collective <laughs> energy that that Denver had during the announcement. Yeah, we weren't swimming because it was actually like a super overcast kind of chilly day here. But mm-hmm. um, it just kind of came and went, to be honest, like, like after the last, you know, straw poll that came out, uh, it was pretty clear Embiid was going to win it. And sure. um, that was just kind of accepted here in Denver, I think. Um, we kind of moved past it. I think when Jokic just cashed it in at the end of the year and just was yeah. like, nah, I'm just kind of going to shut it down and we're going to rest. And um, at that point, I feel like most of us were just kind of done with it, especially how with how the conversation turned. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. D- during the time where Denver was kind of just kind of coasting toward the, the end of the season a lot of a lot of people made something of it like locally did you guys kind of see it for what it was the nuggets coasting yeah i mean yeah. We, we we tried to tell ourselves that they just had the number one seed locked up and they had their foot off the gas because that's what it seemed like yeah. but you never really knew and then gave one of the playoffs hit and they like held the timberwolves to 80 points and we we're like oh okay Right. Yep, so so now now, yeah. now we officially know that that last month was they were just coasting. That's what they were doing. They were in chill mm-hmm. mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about Michael Porter Jr. He's not been super involved in this series so far. Some of that is because they're you know letting Jokic take thirty shots uh, yeah. instead of you know spraying the ball around. But he shot the ball well in the playoffs so far. Forty eight percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three, which is kind of to be expected from a guy of his caliber. What have you seen from MPJ like elsewhere on the court, like defensively and just kind of what else he can contribute? And then do you think the Nuggets are going to try to get him more involved in game three? Defensively, Michael Porter Jr.'s defense has been like one of the low-key stories in Denver all season. It's it's been a pretty steady improvement um, because in past, past playoff series with him, it was always about, oh, the defense putting him in pick and roll and targeting him every play. And yep. Like if you think back to that Sun series years ago, you know, it was Chris Paul putting him in the pick and roll. Mikhail Bridges blowing right by him. We just haven't thought about Michael Porter Jr. a ton defensively in these playoffs. Yeah. And that's a really positive sign. Like teams haven't really looked to target him like they did two years ago, the last time he was in the playoffs. Teams haven't really looked to expose him, and I think that's a testament to just his improved defense, and he can't be targeted and exposed as easily. So um, it's been a steady climb all year with him on defense. He's bought in. He's committed. He's just become a better defender, and I think you're seeing that. And and then in terms of the offense, I expect them to because, man, when Michael Porter's in a rhythm – the Nuggets are really just that much more unguardable. I, yep. I, I mean, you can't contest his shot. He can pull up on seemingly anyone from anywhere on the court. So I, I definitely think game three, 
like the Nuggets have to know that, you know, when he's really going, we're, we're that much more unstoppable. So, yeah, I, I expect it. Going into the season, are you were you a little surprised that they didn't do more self creation stuff for for Porter? That he's he's been mostly an off ball guy all season. Yeah. Did you did you see them trying to make him more of a self creator, or do you see them trying to do that in the future? Because it just seems like they're leaving a little bit on the table with him. Yeah, I, and that's kind of the feeling here as well. Um, I can't say I was surprised that they didn't. You know, just because like this team's identity when fully healthy is Nikola Jokic and then it's Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray in the two-man game. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like so much of this year was getting Jamal back to this level and beyond. Porter was also out for all last year, but he was always looked at, I feel like, as the easier just plug-and-play guy. You know, you just put him back in. He can stand on the winger in the corner and shoot threes. You don't really have to worry that much about him, um, if that makes sense. He's always Mm kind of just been on the outside of the Murray-Jokic two-man game and just kind of Denver's identity. In the future, yeah. I I mean, I feel like it's a whole chapter with him that hasn't even been unlocked or really touched yet. But you are thinking now if if maybe they did commit a little more resources there, now – you'd be able to like reap the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. So Jamal Murray was, was pretty bothered in game two. Do you expect a bounce back game from him? And was there anything specific that the, the Suns were implementing that bothered him? Yeah, I think they were just paying even more attention to him, whether it was like guarding him or shadow guarding him full court or just being more physical with him. If you go back and look at the shots that he missed, the nine threes that he missed, eight of them were wide open. Hmm. Like seven of them were without a defender within a couple feet. So I I actually believe him when he says after the game that I just, I just missed shots I normally make. But a big thing with Jabal is always how he plays on rest. And like going back to the bubble, the biggest thing is like he was in great shape. He was just playing basketball all the time. And I really think that was a reason he played so well. The rest between games two and game three that the Nuggets have, I think it's three days off. Mm -hmm. I think that's really going to help Jamal. I think he's going to have his legs back. And um, so I'm expecting a bounce back. What adjustments do you think Phoenix is going to make or do you think they're capable of making against the nuggets yeah i feel like phoenix is a team where there's not a ton out there that they can go to the easiest adjustment seems like it's going to be playing more guys off the bench like a terrence ross or a tj warren i bet we see both those guys just try to give the bench a little more offense for them in game two but their adjustments are kind of limited, I feel like, especially with Chris Paul out. Yeah. Uh, that means you have to start Cameron Payne. So I feel like Jamal Murray's probably looking forward to tonight because of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I just feel like Phoenix, there's not a lot out there that you can do other than shuffling new guys in. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody... Is there any of those guys that like Denver fans would be like, oh man, I can't, I, I'm kind of afraid of them playing this guy? Or is it just like they're just way too shallow? 
Um, TJ Warren, like, yeah, maybe a, a little bit, but mm-hmm. but not really. Yeah, I, I mean, this this series is going to come down to like, does Denver do they have another game or two where they're that cold from three? Because I, yeah. I just don't think Phoenix can stop the Nuggets. I just don't think they can. So are the Nuggets going to be that cold again? Like, I I just have a hard time seeing it. So, yeah, I don't think there's anybody that's that scary. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought that that, I mean, that game too was that that was the stealable game. Like that yeah. That's the game that the road team traditionally steals when your lead guard goes 0 of 9 from 3. Like, that's, and the Suns only scored 87 points. So it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good for Phoenix. Uh, with that said, after two games, what's your pick for the series? Nuggets in five. Yeah. Okay. Four would be re- incredible. I mean, that would yeah. be wild. Um, I've, I've got to think Phoenix gets one of these next two. You, though. Yeah, you would think. They've got Durant and Booker. They're going to have a game where they both go off. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just all about the role players. Though. Like they just don't have enough role guys that know how to play with them yet. Yeah, and if I'm Kevin Durant and I'm seeing all the the stories come out about how Aaron Gordon shutting me down in this series, <laughs> I'd I'd probably feel a certain type of way about that and be like, all right, I'm scoring fifty in game three. Harrison, thanks so much for answering all of my questions about the Nuggets. But it's now time to play. Wind versus Pina, our very first trivia game here on Saturday Slam and Jam featuring Michael Pina of The Ringer and Harrison Wind of DNVR. I have eight questions about the Denver Nuggets. You'll get two points for each correct answer. And if you miss, your opponent will get a chance to steal for one point. Harrison, all I need from you is a number between one and eight. Let's go three. Question number three. Which Nuggets two-man combo has the best net rating in the playoffs so far with a minimum of 100 minutes? That's going to be... Let's go... Oh, minimum 100 minutes? Okay. Let's go... Nikola Jokic, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. That is incorrect. Michael, chance to steal. I'm going to go Jokic. Bruce Brown. Ooh, you got one of them right, but the other one is incorrect. The other one is Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown. I almost kind of, I kind of tailored this one to you, Harrison. I know. your, Your bench, your bench article. I know. I uh, got in my head with the minimum minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. You're up. Let's go uh, seven. Question number seven. Everyone knows that the Nuggets traded Rudy Gobert to the Jazz, but not everyone knows what they got in return. They received two things in this trade, and you get one point for each correct answer. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you, when you told me that it was uh, we were going to go at 9.30 in the morning and I said that wasn't too early... I, uh, I kind of take that back a little bit. It's, it's 7.30, yeah. 7.30 for me. Yep. <laughs> um, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, Trey Lyles, I'm just going to, was he involved in that? I'm going to embarrass That is incorrect, <laughs> Harrison. That was another terrible draft day trade. Yes. Different yeah, that wasn't that was another. We we that might be another question here. Oh so man, I want to hold okay. on to that one. Um, I mean, I know they got a second round pick. What was the other thing? I have no idea. They actually did not get a second round pick. The two things they received in this trade were Eric Green, who actually ended up playing for the Jazz later on, which is kind of weird, and cash considerations. That's what they got in that trade for the 27th Classic pick. cash considerations. Yes, that's right. Should that's have known. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harrison, in a riveting 0-0 game so far. <laughs> Let's go number four. Question number four. 2013 was the last year that the Nuggets made the playoffs in the George Carl era. That 2012-13 Nuggets team played 12 different guys in the playoffs, and we're going to try to name them all. Oh we're going to go back and forth until one of you slips up. Uh, Harrison, we're going to start with you. Um, let's start with Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler was on that Nuggets team. Michael. Danilo Gallinari. Danilo Gallinari was on this team but he did not play in the playoffs for the Nuggets. ACL. <laughs> ACL. You know, there were a lot of uh, options I could have gone with, and I, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> it's terrible. Harrison, Harrison, you want to name? This is a pretty star-studded cast here. There's a lot of guys that stuck around the league for a long time. You want to throw out any other names? Um, not really. <laughs> okay. Okay. Iguodala, Ty Lawson, Kenneth Reed, Andre Andre Miller, Corey Brewer, J.R. Smith, right? No, no, J.R. Smith, Jesus. Joel McGee, okay. I'm gonna stop Costa Costa Kufas, Evan Fournier, Jordan Hamilton. Okay, all right, I'm done. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, I believe we are back with Michael. Uh, uh, let's go. Let's go. Number one. Number one. Uh, which of the following names is not listed as a nickname on basketball reference for these Nuggets players? Number one, KC. Number two, Big Tipper. Number three, Dr. Watt. And number four, Big Government. So that's KC, 
Big Tipper, Dr. Watt, and Big Government. I'm going Big Government. Big Government is a nickname on Basketball Reference for Reggie Jackson. Have you guys ever heard that before? Yeah, Never in my life. It's because he bails you out in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. (laughs) That is amazing. He always bails Uh, you out. (laughs) Okay, Harrison, chance to steal. Um... So the remaining nicknames, KC, Big Tipper, and Dr. Watt. Dr. Watt. Dr. Watt is correct. That is a made-up nickname uh, that I made up last night sitting on my couch. Uh, KC is obviously Contavious Caldwell Pope, where they just take off the the P, I guess. And uh, Big Tipper is Jokic. Okay, Uh, Harrison, you're up three to nothing. Uh, let's go eight. Question number eight. Everyone knows that the Nuggets traded Donovan Mitchell to the Jazz, but not everyone knows what they got in return. They received these two things, and you get one point per correct answer. They got um, Trey Lyles, previously mentioned, and they got That's Tyler right. Lydon. Tyler Lydon. Both are correct, Harrison. You are up five nothing now. Do I get half a point or just no? Nope. You get nothing. the embarrassment of giving your opponent an answer. <laughs> yeah. That's what you get. Unfortunately, I remember that draft night way too well. That was a really, really <laughs> rough one. So brutal. All right, just a few questions left, Michael. Let's go six. Question number six. Jeff Green has played for 12 different NBA teams, and we're going to try to name them all. We're going to go back and forth until all the Jeff Green teams are named or until one of you slips up. Uh, Michael, we will start with you. Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics is correct. Uh, Let's go with the Seattle Supersonics. Seattle Supersonics, it's on the list. Michael, back to you. Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder. Ding, ding, ding. Harrison. Let's go with the Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards. Another Jeff Green team. Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets is correct. Back to you, Harrison. Let's go... Cavs. Cleveland Cavaliers is also correct. Back to you, Michael. Hmm. How many teams has he played for? Are we allowed to vamp? Is A that lot. okay? Twelve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve different teams. And I'm not allowed to say the team that he's currently. Uh no one for. no one's no one said it. Is it is on the list. Okay. Uh Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets. That's correct. Harrison. Brooklyn Nets. That was already named. I'm going to give you oh, one. I'm oh, going to give you one okay. of those next time. Next time you're out. Okay. Um, who else has he played for? Pelicans? The New Orleans Pelicans is incorrect. Point goes to Michael. That's bad, man. Ugh. The other teams, Houston Rockets, Utah Jazz, Orlando Magic, 
the LA Clippers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. That's a yeah. lot of a lot of teams there. Um, okay, uh, Harrison, back to you for the next question. Go uh, number two. Number two. Which Nuggets players led the team in total blocks? There were two players that were tied. I would have to say Aaron Gordon. And um, yes, correct. That's one of them. That's one of them for one point. And Nicole Jokic. Nicole Jokic is incorrect. Michael, chance to steal one point here. <sighs> okay. Gordon was the easy one. Mm-hmm. Got a couple names batting around in my head. Um, I, I have no confidence in this. I am going to say DeAndre Jordan. It is not DeAndre Jordan. It's Bruce Brown. You know, okay. They, they both tied for an absurdly low number of blocks. 51. <laughs> yeah. 51 blocks. That's it. Uh, okay. Uh, the, the current score is 6-2. to two. Michael, this last question goes to you. You can't, in no circumstance, could you win this game. This is but, not worth five points, the last... It, no, it's okay. not. But you could just become a hero in some way by getting this last question correct. Uh, The question is, one Nuggets player led the team in both two-point and three-point percentage this season. No no minimum amount of shots. Who is this player? He's thinking hard. Led them in two-point... Mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr.? It is not Michael Porter Jr. Harrison. I feel like you, you're doing. You've been doing some nodding while yeah, uh, I think I while Michael <laughs> was like placing his hand on his face in like five different ways. Um, I, yeah, I think I know this one. I okay. think it's DeAndre Jordan. It is DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, he's one of, 76 one of one percent from, from two <laughs> and one of one from three. That's why I said no minimum. It was a beautiful th- three point make too. It was it was gorgeous <laughs> when it happened. And the final score, and in the first and probably last edition of Wind versus Pina, the wind <laughs> goes to wind. Seven to two. Harrison, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, go read all this stuff at DNVR. They also have a podcast. You can also watch it on YouTube. If you're in the Denver area, you can go check out the, uh, the DNVR bar, which is pretty cool. I'd like to go there someday. Uh, Harrison, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, beer's on me when you make it out. Let's do it. Let's do it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, it's time to bring Michael Pina into the fold to talk about the NBA playoffs. Michael, you can go, well, first of all, go read Michael at the Ringer. He's one of my favorite writers. Uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it, man. Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much for having me, man. The Lakers, Warriors, and Sixers, Celtics are all tied at 1 1. Who do you favor in each of these series after such convincing game two wins from the Warriors and Celtics? So I'm. I'm riding the momentum wave. Um, I mean, my my picks for both of these series were Celtics and six and uh, Warriors and six. I feel pretty Mm -hmm. good about both of those right now. Yeah. Uh, um, The we'll start with Celtics, Sixers. uh, Just Joel Embiid's leg is such a question mark right now. He said after game two, when he played abysmally that you know, he admitted he's supposed to be out four to six weeks with this injury and did not move around the court well at all in game two, uh, particularly on the offensive end. The Celtics threw a lot of different matchups at him. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Grant Williams. They doubled. They played single coverage. They took away the pick and roll, the short roll with Harden, switched that. Were really effective, forced him into some Difficult shots. Uh, He was a great rim protector, and they kept challenging him at the rim. I don't foresee them doing that for the rest of the series. Uh, They know he can still jump and move around in a tight space. But generally speaking, he's not even close to being um, what he was during the regular season, the MVP of the league and just this dominant high usage uh, presence. So... uh, I like the Celtics there. Um, They are very... They're a fickle team a little bit. You know, in the first round, we saw them struggle in... I mean, they had one of the worst collapses of the postseason in Game 5 at home against a lesser Hawks team. And obviously, they let up and were just not executing or had a terrible defensive game plan in Game 1 against James Mm -hmm. Harden and let him get off. Uh, So... I still like them, though. I think they're really deep, really talented. Jason Tatum had his worst, maybe the worst playoff game of his life uh, in game two. Seven points, one for seven shooting. I foresee him bouncing back in a big way for the rest of this series because, uh, you know, when they put Tobias Harris on him, he should be able to absolutely roast that matchup. Uh, yep. PJ Tucker is a wonderful defender, but really giving them nothing on the offensive end. And I wonder if Doc Rivers is going to have to limit PJ Tucker's minutes. If you look at the five man, uh, five man unit, the Philadelphia 76ers starting five, their offensive rating is just terrible in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he is a little bit of why because he does not shoot the basketball um, at all. I think he's taken one or two shots in this entire series. Yeah. So Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum should be able to to have a field day. Um, I would imagine, and that's why I picked them in the first place. Uh, moving on to the other series, I mean, 
I'm just never betting against Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green so long yeah. as those three guys are healthy. I know that's like Seems the most fair. <laughs> reductive way to analyze <laughs> the NBA, but uh-huh. with all due respect to LeBron James, who also does not look right, he had a wonderful first half in Game Two. Um, probably his best two quarters of the postseason. But I just don't – there's just something wrong with him and how he's generally been moving. So I don't have a lot of confidence there. And as we saw with Anthony Davis in game one, dominant defender, yeah. dominant on the offensive glass, creating second chance opportunities, making his jump shots. But game two, it was just like a total no-show because they put Draymond Green on him. And I just feel like with the Warriors – there's always just an obvious adjustment for them. And it's either put Draymond green, like switch the matchup with Draymond and let him impact the game in a different way. And he will, and he'll come through or run more Steph Draymond pick and rolls. And you will get like 1.5 points per possession doing that no matter (laughs) what happens. And that's what happened Mm -hmm. in the game too. They ran a ton of that action and they had a ton of success. And you really neutralize the off-ball defense that the Lakers, I thought, executed really well in game one. They were top-locking Clay, They were top-locking Steph. And you just run ball screens with those guys. I mean, Draymond set two ball screens for on Austin Reeves for Clay Thompson. And he had two huge pull-up threes. You rarely see that yep. uh, mm-hmm. in game two. And so they could just go to that basically anytime they want because Anthony Davis does not want to come out of the paint. That's really – it kind of takes away his strength and kind of the defensive identity of the Los Angeles Lakers and what's gotten into this point. So I just think that, that, like, they're a cheat code. The Warriors are a cheat code. They always have the right answer. I don't understand why they don't run Steph Draymond pick and rolls from the jump and get themselves mm-hmm. in a hole. But when they do go to that and lean on it and they have spacing around it, it's just impossible to stop, and we've seen it for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Sixers, what do you think they do if they don't advance? Like, Where do they go from here? I mean, it's a fascinating question. Uh, the number one talking point is obviously James Harden, what he yeah. does with his contract. Uh, he followed Jabari Smith Jr. on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> You this know? is this is that that is like the level that we hit when it's when we talk about the NBA being a soap opera. One hundred percent. When we when it's who follows who on Twitter or who unfollowed who? Did you see that they unfollowed their team on Instagram? You know, like that's where it hits. Like this is just soap opera for dudes. Yes, exactly. So I love that. Um, look, I don't know if he leaves. I don't know what you do. I think that mm-hmm. he's obviously. Not the player necessarily that he was when he was winning MVPs and averaging 30 points a game, but he's still capable of that. And I think he led the league in assists this season. He's a tremendous playmaker, always has been ever since he entered the league. And uh, I don't like if he leaves, you can't just you can't replace that production. Tyrese Maxey's a wonderful player. He's just not that's just not his role in the NBA right now or maybe ever. So do you, I mean, if he were to leave, I think the, the ripple effect then is what is Joel Embiid doing? Um, Is he upset? Is he asking for a trade? And things could tumble very quickly, I think. So tough scenario if they lose this series, which I anticipate they will. Mm -hmm. So three teams find themselves in these final eight of the playoffs that 
ended the regular season outside the top 10 in net rating, which didn't happen last year, uh, including the Warriors at 11th, Lakers at 16th, and the Heat who finished 21st in net rating. Uh, Here are the eighth seeds that beat a one seed since 99 in their net ratings. The 99 Knicks were 14th in net. The 07 Warriors were 13th in net. The 11 Grizzlies were 10th in net rating. And the 2012 Sixers were 5th in net rating. So, like, there were, like, signs that, like, oh, okay, there is a good team in here throughout the regular season. And then you have the Heat, who were, that might have been the team that I liked watching the least during the regular season. Mm -hmm. And somehow they have become this, like, playoff nightmare for teams. Like, did you see this coming at all? Were there any, like, signs of this that you could see? And, like, what do we make of this run from the Heat so far? To me, it comes down to two things. Giannis Antetokounmpo's injury. Yep. Jimmy Butler, period. Just being, just going to another universe in the first round, playing mm-hmm. one of the best uh, just five-game stretches you'll see from an individual. He was just phenomenal. And then the reason why I picked the Knicks in this series is... In round one, we saw what I thought was unsustainable three-point shooting. So in the regular season, the Heat ranked 27th in three-point accuracy. They made 34.8% of their threes. In the playoffs, they are number one. They're at 41%. (laughs) Like, it's just, I just find it to be completely, like, either they were bad in an unsustainable way for the regular season, and now all of a sudden everyone's trying or all of this is going to come back to earth at some point. And, you know, I think Kevin Love hit like five threes. He's a good three point shooter. Don't get me wrong. But right. They're right. not even just like wide open. They're like some of them are tough looks like Caleb Martin has hit some really difficult threes where he just lets it go. And now you're anticipating every time he shoots it to go in. Gabe Vincent with the pull ups is just like, are you going to make an all star team next year? What is even going on? <laughs> So some of these shots, just I just don't anticipate them falling as the series goes on and the playoffs go on if they should advance. Like I, it's, it's, I know that last year they were a great three-point shooting team and a lot of those same players are on this roster. So maybe the whole year was a fluke. I just, I don't know. It's just very odd. It's very bizarre. And I think, it's like very smoke and mirrorsy to me, which is disrespectful to uh, the best coach in the NBA, in my opinion, who's been phenomenal and really earns his paycheck every single night with his strategies and his yeah. schemes. And they almost won. I was at game two at Madison Square Garden, which they almost won somehow without Jimmy Butler because they played yeah. zone for the last 36 minutes or whatever it was. And um, it wasn't always the most successful outcomes with that but they really pushed new york to the limit offensively forced them to hit shots and josh hart hit a couple big corner threes if those don't fall who knows what's what we're talking about right now but yeah i just think that like the shooting at the end of the day is like the big thing and now that jimmy is we don't really know what the deal is with his ankle it makes me lean even more towards the knicks um prevailing in this series yeah i tend to agree it's just funny that the the things that the Heat are doing are kind of like what the seven game series are supposed to be for, 
You know, it's like, okay, like we want to kind of protect against like just like one hot shooting game. Right. But like they just had this insane like three week run where you're just like, like, what is it? Like they lost a play in game. Like they like what's going on here? It's just, they almost lost the second one. They were like down. I know. I don't know what. I just don't know what to do with them. Yeah, it's been it's been kind of it's been strange. I mean, it's been watching Jimmy has been honestly a joy, mm-hmm. you know. But the rest of it's just like I, I I don't know how this is happening. I mean, that's how I felt the entire game too, and they did end up losing. But I mean, I was talking to one of my buddies during like, are they really going to do this? Is this really going to happen? Uh, and I think the Knicks will end up winning the series too, but it's just it's just so weird. Just such a weird, weird run for the Heat. Uh, I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns. They've really struggled to find a rotation. Monty Williams is like shuffling through all mm-hmm. kinds of lineups, and he hasn't really found anything yet. Uh, if if you were Monty, what would you do to give this team a jolt in Game 3? I would... At some point, and maybe it's too late, I don't know, but at some point, like, you need to reduce the minutes of KD and Devin Booker. They're, they're yeah. I think they're one and two right now in minutes per game. They're at like 42, 43 or something like that. I think that's right. Yeah. And it's like, I picked the Nuggets in the series because... I thought that Phoenix was extremely top heavy. So like I understand what Monty's doing. He doesn't trust his bench. But like is TJ Warren really unplayable? Like <laughs> is you know what I mean? Like just play him, see what happens yeah. for 6 minutes. Mm-hmm. At Terrence Ross was uh, uh, defensively has just been so terrible in this postseason. Yeah. But yeah, like you just <laughs> you can't do it but like I, I like I'm not saying that this is like a solution. Because it's not, right. especially against this Nuggets team where it's like when Jokic is on the court, obviously you're done. But even when Jokic is off the court, they've been playing these like staggered bench units that are tearing opponents to shreds. They mm-hmm. tore the Minnesota to shreds. They're tearing Phoenix to shreds. So like, yep. I, I don't really know what the answer is. I think obviously, you know, if Chris Paul is not playing, so... What I would do is, like, I would ask Kevin Durant to be, I would ask him to watch film of the 2021 second round series against the Milwaukee Bucks when Kyrie Irving and James Harden weren't available. And I'd say, hey, yep, this is what you are going to be for us now. You are bringing the ball up the court. Yep. <laughs> like, you're going to make them put two on you 30 feet from the basket if they want to do that. And if not, you're going one on one. And you're shooting like mm-hmm. I, it sounds really stupid and not stupid, but like simple, a little too simple. But that's why they got him. He's yeah. he's worth the picks. He's worth Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, all your depth. So you got to ride him. And yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> it kind of is opposite of what my first uh, strategy was, which was to reduce well, his minutes. Well, you but- ha- I think you have to go simple, though. Like you don't really have any other option, right? With this roster and with the time that they've had together, it's like okay, like now it's now we just play Kevin Durant basketball. Yeah, I think that's like your only good option. Yeah, so it's it's going to be really difficult. I mean, I would not like be shocked if he dropped forty seven tonight or whatever it was, and they win going mm-hmm. away. But I I still like Denver in this series. 
I think Denver has more cards to play. I think Denver has the best player in the series. And the fact that they won game two, the way that they did should give that whole organization like a ton of confidence. Um, Jamal Murray could not buy a basket and they won with their defense and they've been really sound defensively rotating. Um, When Jokic goes up to touch with KD and book, uh, everything behind him has been just like almost perfect. So they got to feel great. And um, Phoenix is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I agree. Uh, Okay. Kind of a uh, off the wall question, but I just, I find myself thinking about these other teams during the playoffs and like, what, what are these teams going to do? What are they going to look like coming into next season? And I wanted to ask you, which team would you rather be for the next three seasons? The Blazers, the Timberwolves, or the Hawks? Pick one team. This is a great question. I'm asking it because I don't know what the answer is myself when I think about it. I think the simplest way to look at it for me is who, like, what player am I most excited about mm-hmm. being involved with or in the business of? Yeah. And yeah, right, yeah. right now, it's the answer to me is like very obvious. It's Anthony Edwards. Sure. And I understand the limitations there that you have with obviously the draft capital out the door. Rudy Gobert in the door. Um, But what you can do is get a little creative, see what you can get, obviously, with eventually with Carl Anthony Towns. I would not necessarily scramble to trade him this summer. Um, But eventually, I think that that like I would be kind of shocked if Carl Anthony Towns spent the rest of his career with the Minnesota Timberwolves. That just doesn't seem Mm -hmm. likely. But Ant is someone who I'm just like super I'd be super pumped about because he just has like a top 10 MVP candidate like vibes about him. The skill set that I honestly was most blown away by um, his like on ball defense from like the last few weeks of the season into the first round into the like in the play in. he just brings it on that end. Like what he did to, I think it was the last game of the regular season. I want to say a game they won despite Rudy punching Kyle Anderson when (laughs) he like locked down Brandon Ingram with, yes, it was like an incredible display because Brandon Ingram was um, like playing like one of the best players in the world at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just, I, I love everything about Ant's game. So I'd probably pick them. I'm like, you know, the Blazers could get Victor Wembanyama in the lottery, yeah. and then that might change a few things. That would, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would entirely change this conversation <laughs> big time. You trade Dame, you get a ton back for him, and you just start over, and that's fun. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you don't trade Dame. I don't know. And then you just like win the championship this season because Victor Wembanyama yep. is like a top <laughs> ten player right away. I don't know. Um, the Hawks are just kind of like a total mess. I'm the last person who's like a Trey Young believer, I think, who covers the yeah. NBA. But mm-hmm. even I, uh, starting to have my doubts there with how you can win at the highest levels consistently with him on your roster playing big minutes. And I think he's truly special offensively, but 
like the fact that they also don't have the draft capital right now going forward because of the DeJounte Murray trade, which you can't undo. And Mm -hmm. I thought DeAndre Hunter was going to be a lot better and more advanced offensively than he is. And it just Mm -hmm. hasn't, hasn't happened. So I like their young core. I like Jalen Johnson. I like a Kung Wu a lot. I think he could be their starting center next, next season. Who knows? We'll see. But fundamentally, I just, I just like, like riding with Ant, I think, for a question like this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Who's your current pick to win the NBA Finals? Uh, I think it's, I think it's the Celtics. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, I just think that they have the most talent. I think every team has like a flaw that is just kind of really worrisome right now, including Boston. But I think that theirs mm-hmm. is the most correctable. Um, is the flaw that they just like take their foot off the gas and like don't don't have that like killer mentality all the time? Like, what what would you say their major flaw is? It's a little bit of that. I think that I'm a big Joe Mazzula fan. I thought mm-hmm. he did a tremendous job during the regular season, and then. I was he just made some truly head scratching decisions in the first round against the Hawks uh, game one. I was kind of flummoxed by his rotation. I was flummoxed by their pick and roll coverage on Harden throughout the whole game. And in game two, I was like, I think that Celtics fans were able to exhale a little bit with how he finally reinserted Grant Williams in the rotation Gray Williams is just like straight up one of their eight best players. No question Mm -hmm. about it. So for him to not play at all in the first round was very strange. So weird. Yeah. So weird. And he played 28 minutes, four for eight from behind the three point line, had some huge energy hustle plays, brings it on defense, just a really good player. So, yep. um, You play him, you settle down a little bit. I think that that honestly is like, like there, you correct that and they're on the right track. Um, but yeah, like the killer instinct thing and all that, I like, I don't know. It's, it's tough because they lose in the finals. And the reason that they lost in the finals was sludgy offense. Right. Mm-hmm. And their offense is first right now in the playoffs. I think they were top three somewhere in there. And for the regular season, uh, that was the clear, thing that Joe Missoula and the staff were worried about coming off that finals loss. And I feel like they have so many different answers offensively now, especially with Malcolm Brogdon on board that I'm not that worried about just their lulls, if that makes any sense. And I think that defensively they have the personnel to stop anyone and uh, they just have so many different options you can throw. So it's got to be Boston for me right now. Not the most confident about that, but also, like, I would say the Nuggets, but the Nuggets are probably going to go, like, have to go against the, you know, I still, I think it's going to be Steph yeah. and Draymond. <laughs> that, that, that's the thing is, like, who who is the conference finalist? It's like, finish alongside those and, like, I think you feel really good about the Celtics against whoever advances on the other side of the bracket. But then it's like, oh, yeah, there's Steph. Like the Nuggets, I think 
you could make the argument, and I was talking with Harrison about this before, like you could make the argument they've been the best team in the playoffs. Easily. Like, they've looked really, really good. And still like there's still like this little bit of like twinge at the back of my head. I'm like, do I really think they can do it? Do I really think that they can beat Steph and Draymond and Clay? Like, I think they can. I do think they can, but I'm gonna need to see it <laughs> before I pick them. It's kind of still how I feel, which is I'm sure it's infuriating to Nuggets fans that like people still feel this way because it's like they're they're answering the call. Like they're they played better than everybody, but I still need to see it. It's tough. Um, I love what Malone has done to the rotation. Love Aaron Gordon as the backup five. Love how their defense looks. We just talked about all that. And I think Jokic, like, I think so highly of Jokic. It's like, yeah, like, I love Steph. I just think Jokic is the best. Like, I, I think he's the best. Yep. Um, so I just also think back to last year and their first round matchup and how, like, Jokic was dominant in that series. But obviously, if you just look at what was around him, it was tough. And they brought in the exact pieces that you would want to bring in after losing a playoff series like that. You trade for KCP. He's perfect for the Golden State Warriors. You bring in Bruce Brown. Perfect for that matchup. Um, So I just, you know, I said earlier I would not pick against Steph, Clay, Draymond, like, ever. I might change my mind if, like, the Denver Nuggets sweep the Suns. and (laughs) I know. I don't know. It'll be – it's just – it's really interesting. It's really unpredictable. It's – these playoffs are a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I've I've loved the like unpredictable nature of it, and that's why I, I'm I'm super into it. My my 11 year old too is like getting super into it. He like asks me every morning, like, "Hey, like, <laughs> what happened last night? What's going on?" Which is just like that's like the best best thing in my life right now. Um, okay, Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. Go read Michael at the Ringer. You had a piece about the Denver Nuggets. This is a podcast largely about the Denver Nuggets, so go read that today. Uh, go follow Michael on Twitter at Michael V. Pina. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Andrew, thanks so much, my man. Thanks again to Harrison Wind and Michael Pina for joining the show. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the show. Do that, and we'll read it next week. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend and the playoffs, and we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 